Therapy is an investment. Healing takes time, effort, and for most of us, it comes with a price tag. Access to quality, affordable mental health care continues to be a global problem. But there's another problem that I see in practice that often goes overlooked, not maximizing on your appointment. Yes, it's a valuable investment that requires patience, but even if you get to the phase of committing to counseling, a passive approach often tends to kick in. I've kept a keen eye on this over the years, and I've wondered why this happens. I think a part of the problem is, like so many aspects of mental wellness, is that we aren't told how we can make the most of our time. So let's change that. Hi, I'm Dr. Shayna. I'm a mental health counselor, educator, and advocate, and I'd like to wish you a warm welcome to the mental wellness practice. This is a place for you to learn about mental health, including key statistics, tips, and skills to help you cultivate mental well-being for yourself and for others. We all have mental health, and if we all felt empowered to improve our mental wellness, I truly believe the world could be a better place. I hope that you're able to take away practical information from this episode and use that to plant seeds for the future. Check out the show notes for additional resources. And if you appreciate what you hear, follow, like, leave a comment, or share this episode with a loved one. And if you post this episode on social, tag me at Dr. Shayna. I'd love to connect with you. If you have any questions, you're welcome to contact me at drshayna.com. And remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only. And if you're struggling with a mental health problem, please seek professional help. Thanks for learning and growing with me. A quick disclaimer before we get into our tips. Everyone is different and not every provider is the same. I'll be sharing a variety of methods to help you make the most out of your session based on what I've seen work in the past 11 years or so. And a lot of these methods, of course, align with my strength-based integrative approach, but that doesn't mean it'll work for you, your provider, or both of you. I am trying to encourage you from an individual point of view, so you can take your healing into your hands. But this is not like some sort of covert strategy you have to keep in your pocket. Quite the opposite. I'm hoping that if there's a tip that fits with you today and you want to try it, that you can share your ideas, maybe even the episode with your provider. Prepare before session. I noticed that even in the beginning of the process, a lot of times, you know, maybe it's heavy on the paperwork or into the introductory aspect of the process. And you might think, okay, I'm following the lead. I have to fill out all these things. I'm listening to try to make sure I understand how this goes, especially if it's your very first time. So first session, first time. And I understand that. But I think a lot of times we don't realize that that's a really important part also for you to step back and say, what do I want to share? What do I want to make sure that I address? Or what questions do I have for the provider? Many times we're just answering all these questions and we don't prepare ahead. We're focused on the session time itself. But I think even in the very first session, it's helpful to create the habit of preparing before. Yes, it's helpful to think about the wider process. What do I want out of therapy at large? But also, what do I need today? Where am I? What are my top priorities? 
And knowing that helps you to have a framework for the session itself, but of course, for your future sessions as well. Ask questions. I find it really heartbreaking that I've realized that a lot of times folks don't know that it's okay to ask questions. And in many times it's encouraged. I know that I certainly prefer when questions are asked versus not. I think there is this misconception that, mm, hmm, before I go into the misconception, maybe I should talk about the truth. Therapy is pretty one directional, right? It is guided from one individual guiding the other. So there may be this tendency to say, okay, I'm going to wait and follow your lead, which is important in the journey. Now here's where that misconception comes in. Following that it's, well, I'm following your lead. So therefore I cannot chime in and ask questions. And like I said, for the most part, this is untrue. And there are a lot of times that you can be confused in the process. So that's important feedback for the provider to know where you're cloudy and where you're uncertain and where you are hesitant. So ask questions to clarify if you're confused, especially because I know something I will admit to, something I continue to work on in my life, but especially in the therapeutic process is I, when I am interested in something, especially if I'm particularly nerdy about a topic, but also if it's something that has become so second nature to me, which, you know, mental wellness in some ways is, I don't realize sometimes from the provider standpoint that I'm using all of this confusing jargon and just babbling. I think I'm offering helpful information, but it's going right over someone's head. So if there wasn't that open door to ask questions, I would lose folks all the time, right? And as healthy as your communication is bi-directionally, this is just a normal part of the process. Ask questions when you're confused. Set goals and at the very least have intentions. So this is again, one of those things that varies per approach is that some people may be more structured with setting goals, especially at the onset. And some may have that a little bit more open-ended. Tell me what you're interested in speaking about. And that's addressed. Um, neither is right or wrong. Again, personal preference. However, I would say one of the more common reasons when I am starting with someone new and they were in the process before is that was helpful in the beginning. I appreciated the provider, but then it just seemed like we were talking without having any sort of purpose or intention. And I, I get that sometimes that, that does happen, but I think it's less likely to happen if you have goals. Now, in my approach, I like to collaborate on treatment plan goals at the onset. And we use that to revisit again, reminder, I'm in long-term therapy. So we revisit that in some degree every quarter or so but also I have those goals in mind all the time. And it is my hope. And I share this intention that please know your goals too. Cause at the end of the day, they're your goals, not mine. I'm just helping in the journey, but they're yours. So with that being said, it gives us this parameter or parameters to be able to know it works as bumpers, right? If we're getting off topic, there can be something that's important to say that's off topic, but also how do we make sure we're coming back? and being really intentional about that. I also think 
that sometimes the opposite end of the spectrum, you may have folks who are focused on these wider goals and the day-to-day gets lost. So I find a blend is helpful. It's helpful to know your long-term goals for the process. Absolutely. Especially if it is long-term, I'm talking over months or, you know, a year, have shorter condensed versions, you know, fractions, short-term goals. And at the day-to-day level, it's helpful to set goals, right? I don't think this has to happen every single session, but I know sometimes I walk into session on the other side of the couch as a provider saying, today, I really need to leave feeling supported. Today, I really need clarification on topic X. Today, I'd like to revisit this past topic from a few months ago. Having long-term goals are great. Short-term goals are wonderful, but even just your goals for what you'd like to achieve that day can be really helpful. State your needs, know what works for you and what doesn't. Now, in the beginning of the process, you may think, I don't know a lot about the process, so I don't know what's going to work for me and what won't. But you may have your hunches, and I found that being, as a provider, being cued in on these hunches helps me, right? Like if I, someone shares, I really don't like writing, so I'm not interested in any type of journaling, anything like that, then first of all, I want to honor that. Like, thank you for that information. Very helpful because otherwise you were likely going to be suggested to journal. (laughs) Um, but also that hesitance is something even to process, right? Like how do you know that information journaling outside of the therapeutic process can look totally different from journaling within the therapeutic process, right? So in terms of knowing your needs and what does and does and does not work for you, yes, you may not know, because you may be new to the therapeutic process, but you're not new to the world. So share a little bit about that. Additionally, it's helpful to be open-minded. Again, using that example, I have had people who are like, I hate writing. I don't want to write. Don't give me any writing in session or beyond session. And then when we break it down, it was just a type of writing that they didn't like, right? Or they didn't like English class or something like that. And actually whatever writing skill, because there are many, whatever writing skill we end up trying can help. So while you want to know what is working and what seems to not work for you, keep an open mind. I have to say, sometimes I found it really refreshing that someone might come in with an assumption of what will work for them. And many times they're right, right? Because at the end of the day, you're the expert in you. You're coming to therapy for help on something particular but you know you, and that helps a lot. I've had some people say, I am very structured. I'm going to need to leave here knowing what I need to work on between now and next session. God tell you, I love it when that happens. (laughs) Um, But that's really helpful, right? And had that not been said, perhaps I would have hesitated to be more structured. Also, your provider is likely not psychic. I say likely because anything is possible, but your provider is likely not able to read your mind. If there's a strategy that you're working on over time and you're just not feeling it, you may not even know why, right? There just may be a block there. Sure, maybe your provider can pick up on it, but it could also be in their blind spot. So if it's something that's not working for you and you're finding that it's not feeling helpful, therapeutic, and it's steering you away from your goals, doesn't mean you have to give that up entirely, 
but state that truth. This isn't working for me. Collaborate. Going back to that misconception that I was sharing, that there's this idea that because therapy is one directional, then it means that you just kind of sit back and you're wait to be told everything. That is not the case. And especially not, it's especially not the case if you are working more in the counseling realm. Collaboration is so important for the journey. Again, I know I said it, but I do not mind repeating myself. You are the expert in you. So the information that you can offer directly is key. Speak up, be engaged, and collaborate. Know that the real work happens beyond the session. Sometimes you know exactly what the specific thing is. It might be the strategy, the between session work, the homework, whatever it is. It may be something concrete. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's more spending the time to reflect on what was covered in the last session, in previous sessions, what you've covered to date, and being attuned to the fact that it's not two different worlds in therapy and beyond therapy. Therapy is the reflection of the world beyond there. So taking that feedback, taking those lessons, integrating it into the world beyond you, that's where the work is happening. All too often, I see it treated in such a segmented way. I'm in therapy, life kind of elapses beyond that, come back in, now let's pick up where we left off. Missing what has happened in between. So remember that, yes, you want to be present, engaged, collaborative in session and keep that mindset attuned as much as is safe and as possible outside of session. That way you have lots of rich information to bring in that can serve as a catalyst for your growth journey. Be honest. I know this might seem really, really obvious on the surface, but I'm only mentioning it because it is not as obvious in practice. If you are spending the time, the money, the effort to be in your session, you are only sabotaging yourself by not being honest with yourself, with your provider, or both of you. I'm not talking about blind spots right now. We all have those. So there may be something that you can see that's not in your form, not in the front of your mind. And by the way, that honesty, especially if mutual, your provider might see and shed light on. But again, I'm not talking about the blind spot. I'm talking about those things that you know, those little white lies that we're more likely to tell socially speaking and bringing that into then the therapeutic process. We think they're small, but they're a huge hindrance. And to talk about this a little bit more, I am going to swap over instead of thinking from the provider standpoint, I'll talk to you about my experiences as a client. I want to be real. There have absolutely been moments in my personal counseling process that I have wanted to, or been asked something or prompted and I'm sitting with, Oh, I really want to put some sort of softened edge on this or spin this because I don't really want to say the truth to this. I have to tell you, I think that this is a really normal human occurrence. And again, I think socially it happens a lot. And I'm not talking about lying for manipulative, coercive purposes. Again, not that. I am talking about like those white, like these are the gentle things. These are the kind things. These are the right things to say. 
But it's important that we pull all of that out and away when it comes to counseling. So something that I started doing for myself, and then this ended up transferring over to what I use in practice is sitting with the discomfort about honesty, right? Pacing yourself. Notice what it feels like in your body when you are doing those small lies, even those small little fibs seems harmless, but it adds up, especially when we're doing the work in therapy. Notice what it feels like in your body. Notice what it sounds like. Pay attention, catch yourself, and then maybe you can talk about it. Ooh, right now I am so tempted to say this because I feel so uncomfortable saying the truth instead. And that is powerful. A trained empathic provider will not push you through that truth. You'll work through it together. So sometimes I let my clients say, you know, if it's something you don't want to talk about, tell me you don't want to talk about this right now. Does it mean ever, but it means maybe we'll revisit it. And when you are in a more comfortable space, that's one, or sometimes it's let's slow down. If you want to make sure you get through it now, let's see how we can slow our pace because this is something that's a little bit murkier, murkier, more murky. Hmm. Let me know what that, Hmm. Yep. Okay. I'm going to try to not get super distracted by that, but yeah, sometimes you might need to pace and slow down if there's a really challenging truth to be told. And I have to tell you some of the more powerful moments have been when a client says, Oh my gosh, I really feel so uncomfortable talking about this because this is, I have lied to everyone else about this. So my impulse is to lie to you about it too, but I want to tell the truth here because that's how I can make the most of my session. Ask for feedback. A little while ago, I mentioned blind spots and yes, we all have them. Even if you've been in therapy for years and a big part of the counseling process is to help you illuminate that blind spot. But I have to tell you, sometimes your provider might not realize something's in your blind spot. It may seem obvious to them and they may not know that it's in your blind spot. So it may seem so clear and known and here you are with this blind spot and that communication gap and that misunderstanding can be a hindrance in the process. So you might want to ask for feedback over time, um, especially if you're in more of a long-term approach, you might not realize how you're standing in your own way and being open to feedback overall can keep it keep the door open essentially to getting the information you need to illuminate that blind spot. Also, you might want to ask for feedback about something specific. So say there's an area that you've been finding challenging and you, it seems like to you, it is stalling your process. So if it's stalling, then you might think, okay, I'm not making the most out of my session. You can ask for feedback about it. You might get validation that no, 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 this tactic, this will take time. This I don't anticipate you can be done with between now and next session. This is a long-term tactic. Or you might also then receive feedback that's, oh, okay. Thank you for telling me that. Let's see how we can workshop this a little bit more. I know in the disclaimer, I shared that this is based on person to person, provider to provider. There's a lot of variance. And this is one of those that I acknowledge that 
not everyone has the opportunity to use this strategy, but if you can, I encourage it. And that's to leave logistics, planning, payment, any of that stuff, either to the bookend of session or beyond session. So for me, and I have this privilege because I'm in private practice, I use the full session time as much as possible to work on the things, right? And then those logistics are done either right after or are handled remotely, right? So like scheduling or payment, I do those all remotely now to not take up session time. I used, I've played with a bunch of combinations here, but I found that that was taking up a lot of the, you know, time is precious, right? So my personal preference is to handle that outside of session and any other logistical questions too. I try to keep that towards the end. Sometimes you might attend session with a burning logistical question. And then I encourage if it's again, if it's burning, try to get that done right before, because if you are kind of buoying in and out of therapeutic content and into logistics, it keeps you surfacing more to a level that is not making the most out of your therapy session. Ask your provider for how you can make the most out of your session. These strategies can certainly help to lead you in that direction. And again, I encourage you to share whichever one, perhaps all you are interested, you want to use in your session, because then there can be a collaborative approach there. But also it's not lost on me that there may be some other really wonderful tips that if you're just using this list and not actively asking your provider, you might be missing those. And again, because the strategies are so different, there may be something specific to the theory that's being used or specific to your diagnosis that you can get some concrete information on how you can make the most out of your therapy session. So just ask. Today you tuned in because you were curious about how to maximize your therapy session. And I hope that these tips help you to do just that. If you found this episode helpful, don't forget to follow, like, leave a comment, or share this episode with a loved one. For more free educational content, you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Shana. You can also check out the show notes for additional resources, including the best-selling self-love workbook and the newly released Designing Healthy Boundaries. If you have any questions, you're welcome to contact me at drshana.com. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only, and if you're struggling with a mental health problem, please seek professional help. Thanks for learning and growing with me. Thank you.